just outside of Eric Skull's window. Game of Bones is here. This is my life, guys. Live crickets over here. They're meant to compliment the cicadas. You know, Micah, we could, we should just get together and record the sounds that are outside of our, the natural sounds that are outside of our places, and we could come up with one of those uh, environmental soundtrack CDs. <laughs> but, but because it's us, we could market it on our podcasts and uh, and sell a bunch and and make bank. We could, we could make big bank, and we could help people sleep easier. It's win win. Yes, Zach, what what kind of sounds do you have going outside your place right now? Are you in the middle of a field? Uh, well, there's fields to my, there's a rice field close to me. Do you make rice patties? I do, I do, wow. uh, and then I eat them with my mouth. What's I'm in a desolate location. But see, that's not quite a sound because rice doesn't oh. make it. Rice, the rice feel. You've like never rice... heard rice grow. <laughs> <laughs> Celine's not here with us today, unfortunately, because we had to record a late night kind of emergency episode. Our schedules are a little nuts, but nevertheless, on Fridays we post episodes, except for last week. Uh, this week we will, and you are listening to it now. Unless the comment has struck the earth. It's true. Fridays are good for uh, posting new and third uh, Game of Bones episodes of each week. And also Fridays, you know what Fridays are also good for? Fridays are also good for uh, bringing up and diving into old mysteries. Oh, that's so true. At the end of this chapter, I don't want to jump ahead. At the end of this chapter, before it was over, I thought for a second we were about to get a massive reveal, Eric, that Micah and Selena would have never told us. I got super excited. I, I threw the digital book across the room, destroyed my iPad, had to go out and buy another. That's why it took us so late for us to record. There was so much. I wasn't expecting that much, you know, when you're reading ahead for the show. It's just almost run of the mill, you know? We do this three times a week, but then boom, a yeah. chapter gets thrown in your lap. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's gonna happen. You know this, Zach. We're gonna find out who done it, and it's gonna be like three books before the TV show reveals who done it, and it's just gonna be totally normal for everybody who's read the book, but we're gonna be floored. If I had to send a squire into the world to do my bidding, I would ask him to bring me mountains of guacamole and pizza. But this did not happen in this case, and it led to what we see now. You know, this is like the uh, George R. R. Martin equivalent of the butler did it. <laughs> the classic it clue was. mystery. Guys, I've solved the series. It's really just clue. Look, a codicil. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward, though, that was uh, actually a bit of a surprise, um, you know, as we were saying. So this this chapter uh, was unexpected, but it's a perfect kind of thing to dive into on a, on a Friday. Dust off the old... The old who killed John Aaron mystery. Yeah, I mean, and that didn't even happen until the end of the chapter. Yeah. When we when we first began, it was a kind of a pleasant experience almost. I say that in a strange way because Tyrion's in song. He's thinking about a beautiful maid with sunlight in her hair. And then he goes and visits his sister. Wrong brother. Wrong brother. Did I? Did I? Oh, sorry. What? No, no, no. I'm saying it, <laughs> normally it would be Jamie who would be thinking that yeah, way yeah, and then yeah. go and see his sister. But in yeah. this case, it's Tyrion. Who actually happens to note how good looking Cersei is at one point. Yeah, this she reveals her inner self. She smiles and he's thinking, is this how she appears to Jamie? This is crazy. Like it's actual, actual joy. And right, yeah. I think her, her age and her wariness just, just, um, what's the word? It just evaporates. Yeah, yeah, evaporates and reveals the, the fairy, um, angel within. When Tyrion entered the room, Lancel is singing and there's the sound of harp. This is where he got the idea of having the song in his head at all. So we, we kind of get a description of Lancel and from what Tyrion is saying inside of his mind is Lancel has definitely gotten a little bit more cocky, essentially a little bit more confident after he's been falsely knighted, right? 
Yeah. And by falsely knighted, you mean? I mean, he sleeps with Cersei under the sheets. She keeps it all in the family. Up. You got to give her credit for that. <laughs> she does. Do you have to? Really? Is that what you have no, to give you her? No, you don't like, really have to. Credit <laughs> or <laughs> maybe some condoms? I, I don't know. Both. Just in case. I'm just protecting the bloodline. That's all I'm saying. I don't think they existed back then, unfortunately. I mean, unless Shag is going off and making a sheepskin. I'm going to say, yeah, I was gonna say they used to put it like, I don't know. I don't even I don't know enough information to comment further. Although I brought it up, totally, totally uh, my fault there. Can't wait to see the comments. On I know, right, right. Cersei <laughs> and uh, Tyrion are just kind of, you know, the, it's funny, isn't it, that you know he brings her this news that Renly and Stannis are fighting each Eric, other. You've got to tell them how he told her, though. It was brilliant. All right, all right, you do it, you do it, you do it. Well, I mean, essentially, what happened was. He walks up to Cersei and he is so solemn in a way. Like he dismisses Lancel. He's, he hops away after like a strangely awkward cheek kiss, you know? And he's like solemn. He's just Cersei. Stannis has left. He's sailing all of his ships now. And she pops up and she's like, what the fuck are you laughing about? Cause he starts laughing and she's upset. Then he reveals that this is, this is Tyrion. He's, I don't know. She, you kind of have to be super stressed for the relief to be that much sweeter, don't you? Well, I mean, in her defense, like I said, he made it sound a little more solemn. And then he was just like, uh, he's sailing to Storm's End. He's actually laying siege to Renly. And she's just like, yes, yes. <laughs> and then they embrace, right? She twirls him around like yeah, a little child. Yeah, she picks him up. <laughs> she's dancing. You can hear all the music and sounds. And, you know, it's just in her head and she's spinning little Tyrion around. A beautiful scene, honestly. Yeah, it's just such a scene of, of mirth. And the thing is, they aren't ready for, you know, to prepare. Like, if, if Stannis were marching on them, like, they aren't, they aren't really ready. They have all that wildfire, but I mean, Tyrion is, is still in preparation. Cersei is still, you know, worrying about it. And fortunately, Stannis isn't coming for them. Instead, he's going the exact, like, it's like if Stannis and Renly could put their bygones aside and yeah. join them, it would be the worst day for the Lannisters. But that's not even right. gonna, that's not gonna happen at all. One of those two, uh, threats to the Lannisters will be eliminated by the time this is all over. And they are just, of course they celebrate. It's just a damn shame, you know, because Renly and Stannis, I really feel like they could have perfectly yin and yanged each other and just, <laughs> I don't know. I... Well, I mean that in a good sense. I mean, you know Stannis what I'm saying? Too like, much of a yang. I think I I realize he's very Yang like and and Renly is very Ying like. If they match together, we're talking badass infantry. So it puts me in the mindset of imagining the glee of Tyrion and Cersei because they don't really know for sure what's going to happen with Renly and Stannis. You know what I mean? They didn't exactly foresee Stannis sieging Storm's End. So this is why this was such a, a brilliant moment for these two. You know, they're pouring each other wine. Uh, well, that was a plan, but still, right. it's a happy of, moment. You kind of have to slap Tyrion on the hand here for a moment. This was the first time I cried foul over something that he did to his poor, poor sweet sister. This was kind of Absolutely. a questionable chapter for Tyrion. Yeah. This is, was it though? Uh, well, yeah, of course it is. Um, he ignores. No. The, he, well, because here's the thing: the chapter opens up, and they're having that discussion about how Cersei decided that those prophets that were, uh, you know, spouting their knowledge in the town square um, are now finding themselves in the black cells deep underneath they were, the city. They were speaking ill of Joffrey and and where he came from, and Tyrion looks at that as Cersei basically going behind his back and doing right. things that normally the hand of the king would be 
dealing with. And this goes back to the chapter that um, we had previously, and it, it may actually be a couple of, of chapters back at this point, but the fact that Tyrion was talking about how well, when you do these types of things, it only lends credibility to the rumor mm. uh, itself, even though there is something to be said for trying to take care of the issue. And that's why he, I think he submitted in the end rather than arguing with her about it, because that's what he said. He was like, honestly, in the grand scheme, this is just too small of an issue. Right. But knowing how she operates, that's part of the reason why he decides to poison her and knock her out so that he's able to handle the business that he wants to handle without her interfering. Right. And this is something that the show, I feel, didn't capture perfectly because, I mean, here in the books, and this is the first time for Eric and I, as you guys listening know, Tyrion has set up a scheme so deep, you know, with <laughs> the Red Cloaks, it's just such a deep scheme that he's laying out. And I don't foul him for giving Cersei some bowel trouble. You know, I don't really care about that because she's done a lot of terrible things. Well, it needed doing. I mean, she's trying to add extra protection to her side of the castle. And Tyrion sees through that shit right away and sends them off. Right. You know, it's just like he is I, – I think I think Tyrion is doing what Tywin would want to do, which is, you know, obviously comes back into play at the end of the chapter, but – He's he's kind of keeping her he's keeping her at bay. He's 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 making sure she doesn't, you know, overstep things. After this great encounter, this this brother and sister moment of uh Tyrion getting twirled around and drinking wine with his sister, he then decides to go and sit the Iron Throne to handle his hand of the king business. And one of the big pieces here is that he's going to send the terms back to Rob that Rob initially submitted to him. And they're to be expected. And, and I think even Sir Cleos notes that Rob will never accept these terms. And Tyrion says to himself, well, I didn't expect him to. So I feel like this is all just a formality, isn't it? And Rob did it. Now uh, Tyrion's doing it. And it's not really meant to get anywhere at the end of the day. And it gave him a good forum to present Lord Eddard's bones back to Cleos to, to take to Rob, too. Yeah, if yes. that just happened in the hallway somewhere, I'd be a little upset. I mean, those those are Ned Stark's bones. I mean, come on. They got to be <laughs> handed over with some kind of ceremony. With a little honor, just a yeah, tad bit. It's, it's just a tad bit, especially because it's Tyrion and he respects that kind of stuff. Business as usual in the throne room, though. Tyrion is meeting more than just Cleos Frey. Yes, he is, actually. Um, one of the other people that he runs into uh, during all this is Vilar, who's the uh, the captain of the Lannister Guard. And very, very close in allegiance with Cersei. And actually, the one responsible for rounding up all those prophets and uh, throwing them below King's Landing. And so, what does Tyrion decide to do? He says, <laughs> my good friend Vilar, how about you go with Sir Cleos Great here? Idea. Great idea. <laughs> he needs a, an escort. He is technically a, a Lannister cousin, even yeah. though he's a dirty fray. Go ahead and escort him back. How many men do you need, you say? All take them. them. Take them all, please. Yes. And what can our good friend Varys do but smile when right. he sees this happening? Varys is loving the whole thing, and Pycelle's literally shitting his robes the entire time. You know who's really getting shit on, though? Tell us. Throughout all of this. Is please Alist tell us. Is Alistair Thorne, who's been getting uh, disregarded, I guess, this whole time. He's been in King's Landing for, like, how long? And... Hasn't been able to get himself heard until this very moment. So 
I, this was kind of a payoff for something I'd been waiting for for a couple chapters. And Tyrion was so mean to him. It's really unfair. And I mean, I, I guess the is problem it? is, look, I mean, it's a pretty simple solution that Alistair Thorne forgot to like put the hand in a Ziploc bag. And now all of his evidence, all of his evidence is eroded. And it's, it's bone. If they still had the hand dude and the hand were moving, things would have gone way differently. I think Way so. different. Even Tyrion would have been like, shit, you know, yeah. with the hand, but he didn't have it. And Al- and Alistair's like, you guys waited so long to see me. Um, you know, I don't have it anymore, but I swear it was alive. I swear it. Yeah. No one's laughing. But there's that moment and I forget the exact words, but there's that moment for Tyrion where he thinks back up at the wall, you know, being with Jon Snow, hearing the direwolves howling that yeah. as he was looking out, you know, beyond the wall that maybe just maybe there's a little bit of truth to what Eliza Thorne is saying. Mm-hmm. My gut feeling is to be severely annoyed at Tyrion for ignoring the threat coming from the North. But you have to understand reading and watching the show. This is not the same context for him. Like we have seen many things. We're like the gods overlooking, like we're the seven seeing all of these things happening. But Tyrion doesn't know this stuff. Yeah. That's, that's very true. I mean, the closest he gets is that feeling he had, which he does reflect back on, but, you know, nothing, no great, um, revelation comes to him at that point, except that, oh, it might be possible because he heard some wolves when he was at the top of the world. You know, it's like, well, okay. He had that experience. It's weird that he kind of, it's almost like he warged back to it. He was like, there was a moment of clarity. He's like, this is how it felt. Ugh. And he's in it for a moment, which is why he probably, ended up giving Alizar Thorne the men. You know, he said, go ahead and make your run. But he did it in jest. You know, everyone's laughing. And Varys made a note of it later in this chapter. Mm-hmm. He did it in jest. So he was able to veil his actual help as to not be mocked later, you know, kind of in a joking way, which was also very smart. The other thing that I would say with this, though, is if you are the Lord Commander, you might also want to think about who you're sending to King's Landing. Somebody like this as opposed to somebody who might be a little bit more believable and command a little bit more respect. Clearly, Tyrion does not like Thorne at all. Their relationship from the wall was, you know, is, is obviously influencing Tyrion's behavior here. Right. Uh, so you wonder, and, and obviously Jon Snow was not going to be sent for reasons that could have led to more problems. Do you think uh, they'd w- capture him? And just be like, yeah, I didn't want to bring that up because I feel like that could set off a whole nother discussion here. Mm. I, I just think there could have been a better ambassador than Thorn. How about Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> <laughs> we said well, he, he'd use the help. But he's probably worse. I, I, I would pick Thorn over him, to no, be honest. Sorry. You said ambassador. That's just the one thing I think of. <laughs> Thank you, George Lucas. It could be um, a mistake that George Martin is trying to paint. In this book, though, with Lord Commander's decision being fueled personally to kind of get the trouble away from the wall, you know, send Alizar Thorne away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that that could be part of why it all failed, you know? I, I just think the overall ignorance that we see with the South for what's taking place in the North is ultimately what's going to be their undoing. Do we know for sure that if you bury your dead, they won't, it won't rise? Again, because no, because no, the thought of because the thought statement. of okay, it was ignorant because because you know it's he's and you said he said it in jest. He does. He's like, well, <laughs> if if you if they're coming back, you mustn't have killed them properly. 
you know, and, and, he, and you, take you, all of these spades, dig big holes for them. I was wondering because we know fire is like the end of all. We know obsidian does even one further, but I, I haven't quite gotten to the point where I've seen these white walkers actually kick up dirt because that is, that's almost, that's creepier than a white walker being walking around somewhere is then coming out of, is them coming out of the ground and then getting up and walking around somewhere. You know what I'm saying? The yeah, idea, no, the idea I, that I what, what is saying. buried isn't dead. If they would have only seen the film, Hocus Pocus, they would know that zombies can dig themselves up from underneath the ground. Yes, they can. Exactly. So we need to burn them next time. So how about a large pit of fire for dragons to fly into? That could work. One of the other big announcements, though, that takes place during this this chamber session, right, is that Marcella is going to be wed. Mm. And this, I'm sure, uh, takes Littlefinger off guard, uh, which he reacts to after the meeting with Tyrion and basically saying that he doesn't like to be betrayed and played for a fool uh, because clearly Marcella cannot uh, marry our our good friend Robert uh, up at the Erie if she's off marrying somebody else. What so. a little bitch. And I, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not Robert? talking. No, not Marcella. Not oh. Marcella. I'm not talking about Marcella. <laughs> little finger. This is how the game is played, dude. Okay, Tyrion had well, to Nobody knows out. that better than him. Yeah, nobody knows that, okay? Better than better than Littlefinger. Tyrion had to root out a uh, or weed out a uh, a, a, tra- a traitor, you know, somebody who's untrustworthy. He found right. him, he found Pycelle. There's like no I, I wanted to say there's no hair off of uh, Littlefinger's beard, which is funny because there is off Pycelle's, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like Pycelle, I mean Littlefinger, dude, th- there's nothing <laughs> seriously. It's just how the game is played. He's pissed, though, because he made arrangements and probably, you know, <laughs> is going to make someone mad or make himself look bad, which is what really? he's built against. I yeah. mean, his entire livelihood is built up from what he can do for people. So now he's like, shit, you know, did you really just make me look like an idiot? Yeah, I get it. It's it's a matter of pride, but he, he can he can tone it down a notch, I think. Um, Tyrion's Tyrion's. We love this part of the series because Tyrion has the power. And obviously when his father comes, it just kind of like, you know, puts him aside when he gets injured after Blackwater, all that other stuff. But for now, he's in charge. And for now, he's making all the right calls. Everybody can learn from what Tyrion is doing. And everyone can learn from what Tyrion did toward the end of this chapter. It's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the final confrontation, or at least one of many future confrontations, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but (laughs) bottom line is... (laughs) The final countdown. It's the half man against the old man. Who will win? Main event, WWE Survivor Series. Yeah, and then his tag team partners all come out and just start jumping into the fence. Yeah, exactly. Except the fence is a bed, and Pycelle was a little busy. He was a little busy for an old man, wasn't he? And for a Meister, too. (laughs) Shaga liked the situation they were in. You know, I think he could have... He found a way to make it more interesting for all of them, but luckily for everyone involved, that way was not done. So, so in bursts Tyrion, right? And it's just a really comedic scene. I thought they did it well in the TV show as well. Yeah. And my favorite line was when Tyrion tells Shaga to cut off his cock and feed it to the goats. And Shaga's just like, there are no goats. <laughs> yep. And he's like, make do, Shaga. <laughs> <laughs> make do. What is most like a goat? What do you think? Sheep. 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 
yeah. hairs, right? We know Joffrey has some hairs lying around somewhere. Oh, there you go. And this really freaks Maester Pycelle out, essentially, because they he makes a lunge after he tells them to make do with his large axe, and Timmet's in there hanging out with his, you know, missing an eye thing, and Pycelle immediately starts to piss the bed, and everybody in the general vicinity, this actually happened in the book. It's like being at SeaWorld. Right, it's just like being a Sea World, except Shamu's not there, and it's less bright and sunny, and there's no kids around. Just piss everywhere. I'm I think full, we, I, I'm we, we lost moment, Eric. I'm taking a moment to fully appreciate the, the imagery <laughs> you just drew. You know, I've never been to Sea World, but uh, I can, I, I can, uh, I can get a full experience right now. Right. So he, he misses. He chops off a huge chunk of this beard. Mister Pycelle's been growing for an extended amount of time. You know, it's one of his prideful places on his face it's his large beard yeah i tried to uh to think if there's anything comparable almost to it being a, a demeaning act you know that and i guess it is in a way because you just pointed out that he's been growing this probably for a pretty long period of time and, it, and it's it is symbolic in a way that it's just being hacked off you know piece by piece here yeah i mean it's like uh i'm thinking of Kel drogo who you know you cut their hair off when they lose a battle and if you have long hair as drogo did um you know you're undefeated so i i think though too long hair beard wisdom you know it just it just means this it means almost the same thing even though it's not as intentional as it is with the uh calls you know what I'm saying? But the fact yeah, that he's, he has to go around the castle with this short stub of a whatever's left of his chin, and people are going to know, oh, what happened to you? You lose the fight with a lawnmower or something? But yeah, I mean... Do <laughs> <laughs> you hear that going up? Lawnmower. <laughs> I, I was, what, 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 what? Mites again? Seriously. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it can't be good. It's just never good when you lose your hair unexpectedly, so... People are going to know that he was – if they ever see him, although they won't because he's he's being sent somewhere where the sun doesn't actually shine. Now, this conversation just produces so much interesting information and important information as it relates to a number of different uh, storylines that have preceded this. I mean it's true. We Like we were saying earlier in the chapter, this is the moment where Tyrion – starts grilling Pycelle about John Aaron. And this is only after he's like, hey, I made this really cool plan where I told a few people something and I waited to see what Cersei knew. Turns out she knew what I told you. So not only is your beard gone, but so is your role in this kingdom. Thanks for all of your dedicated years of services, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, how many other people did you betray like you betrayed me? And he, he has to list them. It's brilliant. The fact that Tyrion got so much accomplished in this chapter makes me want to Give him a note, but I won't, but we're not dead owns yet. So let's keep going. Um, <laughs> but he, he was awesome. And I mean, this, this whole conversation is really just Aaron, or this reminds me of the deleted scene that we saw with, um, Meister Pycel talking normal to Tywin, you know, that scene when they're fishing, you guys have seen that, right? Right. Right. And he yep. just drops the shit. He just drops the act. He doesn't do that to Tyrion. He's still, still like continues to play the fool. And this is, this is just reading this, knowing what we know, um, reading this, it's just, it's, it's really hard. It's makes it harder to read. Well, in their defense, they are all covered in old man piss. Mm. So I can imagine that Pycelle probably isn't really thinking he might actually be weak and frail at this moment, you know, which yeah. imagine Shaga over the top of you and you've just been, you know, hanging out in your bedchambers <laughs> doing personal things. That is an image that would probably disgruntle most mm. people. Draw a picture, send it in. 
Yeah, let draw us, a picture. Let us judge. The best one gets uh, a free package of camel balls. <laughs> Eric, you just touched on the fact that how many different people has he betrayed, right? And it goes all the way back to King Eris, right? He even admits, and this shocks Tyrion. He said, I convinced him to open the gates. So really, according to Grandmaster Pycelle, he's the reason why the sacking of King's Landing was successful. So he it's put true. Robert on the throne. Well, he tried to put a Lannister on the throne, but like he said, you know, with Ned and Robert being so badass, it was really hard to kind of, you know, do what he wanted to do. They were doing what they wanted to do. And unfortunately <laughs> for him and the Lannisters, that was everything. Obviously, he betrayed Ned on some level, but really going back and talking before him about John Aaron, right? And while... Pycelle wasn't directly responsible for killing him. He did nothing to sort of bring him back to life, right? They talk about the other Maester, Maester Coleman, who was trying to save John Aaron, trying to purge him of whatever poison was initially given to him. But Pycelle was able to send him away so that the poison could continue to take its effect and eventually kill him. So he's, he's an accomplice to this murder. Cersei wanted him dead. She told him this, but we still don't know who actually did this. I mean, I'm sure with Cersei wanting him dead, there was probably a very small contingent of people that all had the same idea. And we still don't know, like I said, who who actually did it. No, I think and that's the big mystery that remains. And, you know, we, we hear about uh, is it Sir Hugh who gets killed uh, back in the, in the first book is as being somebody who should be of interest, but clearly a dead man can't be of interest to anybody if they're dead. Right. Uh, so uh, it's, it leaves you to wonder, though, somebody like this person who's a squire even, why why would somebody like that want John Aaron dead? It's almost as if they're acting on somebody else's behalf. Mm-hmm. So if... Let's say Grandmaster Pycelle is acting on Cersei's behalf, right? She, but she didn't, as far as we know at this point, she didn't initiate this situation, right? She didn't, she didn't right. have him poisoned to our knowledge. So there, there could potentially be somebody else who's involved in this. And we have to ask ourselves, who could that person be and why? But also this, I mean, I was wondering because I, there's a couple of things I want to say. First, that it was so weird getting this in the, the back third of, this chapter is all of a sudden reopening John Aaron because John Aaron's death was the catalyst that started the entire series that, that brought Ned to King's Landing. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I hate to think of it as, you know, regaining prominence because it was the mystery throughout the whole first book. I'm wondering if it's going to start being the mystery of the whole series. And that's something that I just don't want to wait seven books to find out because I'm interested now. You know, you think it's going to be about the comet. You think it's going to be about the rangers north of the wall and our little things. You just don't expect John Aaron's. It's it's weird to be reminded that there's still this huge mystery that is at the center of all these politics. The last few chapters in King's Landing, nobody's talking about John Aaron, and it happened here, and everybody here's you know witness and complicit or implicit in his death. But all of a sudden, it gets brought up, and you're like, oh my god, that's this. We're totally going there now. Yeah, the only person who hasn't like forgotten it is Tyrion because he obviously has a very personal um reason for not wanting the person who, you know, betrayed Aaron to to be with him. Or maybe he just drank the tears of less himself. You know, he if John, if heard John was too hard. <laughs> if only John Aaron had embraced the red uh the red god uh sooner, right? He could have had that uh 
What is that Melisandre has the poison, <laughs> the throat that can swallow any poison? I mean, come on. That would have been, uh, there would have been no story. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll just say to, to keep on reading that you'll, you'll get your answer and it will be very interesting. Well, I look forward to talking about that on the show and laughing and throwing objects because it'll probably be a shocker or something because that's kind of the theme in this it'll book so far. It'll blow your mind. Will it own my mind, though? Like that it'll transition? It'll own your mind. <laughs> it'll do everything to your mind that's humanly and inhumanly possible. Uh, my own of this chapter has to go uh, to Cersei. And Tyrion's the one who tees her up when he asks her... Is this the bed where Robert died? Oh. She says, it gives me sweet dreams. Oh, that's terrible. Horrible. Okay, well, I'm going to go because I think, Eric, you're either laughing because it's funny or you're so sad you're laughing. So I'm just going to pick somewhere in the middle and go next. When Alistair Thorne was speaking to Tyrion and Tyrion kind of gets up and walks away because work time is over, he makes that grab at him and he stopped and Varys is speaking to him. And this is kind of a, a shitty moment for Thorne because he's getting ridiculed at the place he spent so long traveling to and waiting for now and having his evidence destroyed. I mean, it's, there's a lot piled up against this guy. And he calls Varys at one point a eunuch. And I thought maybe there would be a little bit more repercussion for that, but I guess not because he's not royalty necessarily. So Littlefinger, out of nowhere, we don't know he's in the throne room yet. He just, what George describes as a quip, throws in, he's like, to his face, we call him Lord Eunuch. And I'm just thinking about the context of all of that and how they're in the throne room and everything's all fancy, but he still makes fun of Varys in front of everyone. So Littlefinger, you are relentless, my friend. Your days are numbered. Are you looking at me to confirm or deny that, Eric? I feel like that's what you're, that's what you're um, teeing oh, no, that no, up no, for. But, uh, speaking of number days, uh, the hand, of course, I mentioned this before, had, uh, a number of days and unfortunately, uh, Eliza Thorne could not make himself heard in time. The hand owned, it ain't going to be evidence for no man. <laughs> and it withered away and died. I was going to give it to the powder, honorable mention to the powder that Tyrion uses, the but, powder. uh, I think the, uh, I think I have an honorable mention too. Okay. Uh, I'm going to actually, well, I I was going to say we can be Selena's own for this episode, but I just (laughs) laughed so hard, uh, when uh, Tyrion was talking to Shaga about, um, his, his handiwork with Lysel's beard. And he's like, Shaga says, don't bothered warriors, not barbers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I completely agree. Um, I'm going to also submit Selena's own for this chapter. I love <laughs> and I'm going to give now. it to myself being all over everyone. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, that's classic. I yeah, mean. good imagery. Well, very clearly this chapter is littered and littered with small puppies of owns dancing around, looking for a tidy home to join. And that home could be with you guys. The best way to adopt an owns puppy that does not exist would be to submit them in ways that Eric can very, very succinctly tell you. Twitter. Twitter.com. <laughs> sorry, you said succinct. I'm trying to think. I just picked a word. Bare bones. Bare bones. Twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Contact at GameOfOwns.com. Huzzah. Huzzah. That was very succinct. We did get uh, one tweet here from Susan Stacy with her own of this particular chapter, and she says, Tyrion owns Cersei without her realizing. Mm, like the powder, quote, Eric. harmless when he's alone, end quote. But, and uh, Susan goes on to say, and ends, referring to the chapter, by, or no, sorry, Tyrion, 
by reminding Thorn of crab forks back to when they were hanging out at the wall. So thank you, Susan. It's so nice to have such an in-depth, I mean, for people who are reading along with us. It's good to hear from you, even if it's not an own. But if it's an own, that's even better. Well, we do have a an iTunes review that I know Micah has been giddy to read. See, I told you, Micah, you got to threaten people, and we threaten people on Monday, and here we go. And here we are on Friday, and here we are. Game of Thrones fan number thirty nine. Damn, that's a good spot. Yeah, that's. I mean, with with all the fans out there now, I mean, you're lucky to be thirty nine. That's high up. I agree. Uh, the title: This podcast is addicting. Five stars. We put nicotine in it. Occasionally. <laughs> yes, we do. Lovingly uh, wrapped inside. Lovingly. Them. Speaking yeah. of loving, if you love the books and the show, then give this podcast a try. The hosts are funny and insightful. I've read the books and I enjoy hearing how other people interpret them. Does that mean how we, how we pronounce names? Is that what they're referring That's to? That's got to be it, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to all the episodes and can't wait for the new ones to come out. I'm so glad I stumbled upon this podcast. Eric, Selena, Micah, and Zach, thank you for making this podcast. It puts a smile on my face. Thank you for the review, number 39. Yeah, thank you. It's a very nice review. We appreciate it. Very kind. Very, very kind. So if you'd like to be like Game of Thrones fan 39, just head on over to iTunes. Leave us a nice little rate and review, and uh, we'll be sure to share it with all of the ear holes uh, that plug into this show. Each of them. Yeah, get to it. Well, remember, guys, this podcast is brought to you and us as well by winteriscoming.net. <laughs> it's it's the reason that this happens the way it does. So winteriscoming.net, I'm sure you're already well aware of the massive hub that it is for Game of Thrones, everything Game of Thrones, let's just say that. Yes, and uh, speaking of that, Sunspear gave us uh, a little bit of feedback on the Theon episode that we did on Wednesday. They go on to say, this chapter is the reason why I don't like Yara slash Asha at all. Theon hadn't seen her in 10 years, so you can't hold not recognizing her against him. And she grabbed his junk through his <laughs> pants before. <laughs> she anything. traced it. She traced it. That's even sexier, guys. <laughs> Sun, right. Let Sunspear finish. Before he did anything more than try a few pickup lines. You can't lead a guy on like that and act like he's the jerk for thinking you're interested. She deserved every insult Theon threw at her. Uh, and her own goes to Sigrin for making such awesome ships. It's a good own. There you go. That is a good own. And thanks for the comments on Spear. And all the other people that comment, like Chicken Duck, who likes to post cool things about Jolene and that I laugh about for hours on end. That is great. And continue, because I like to laugh. It makes me smile. And speaking of smiling, the next three chapters we're reading are point-of-view characters who could all use a smile. First is Arya, then is Danny. Oh, glad to be getting back to Danny. And then Bran, next week. Those are the three chapters, so please be sure to read. It's Arya 6, Danny 2, and Bran 4. Four! I you sure you got those Roman numerals right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Usually I don't screw it, dude. Roman numerals are usually pretty easy. But... They're your first language. Yeah. Study your numerals, ladies and gents. There'll be a quiz on Wednesday. Names, shall we? Selena, Phil, sing us out. I'm Eric. I'm uh, Micah. And I'm Zach Louie. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend.
I don't know any Danish songs, man. Hey guys. <gasps> oh, look who it is. Samuel's here. How's it going? I haven't been on for a while. I've been on vacation down in the Bahamas getting my tan on. 